Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up this week, we speak to the young triathlete already excelling in his sport and against the island's best cross-country runners too. Uh, we'll also reflect on more good news for Guernsey footballers. Ben Acey looks set to follow Alex Scott to Bristol City uh, and we'll preview the week's action as well. I'm Tony Kerr. With me this week is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingle. Hi, Tony. Great to see you guys. Um, yeah, a bit to talk about this week. Let's start with the, the football. Um, as I say, Great news for Ben AC. He's been over having trials um, at Bristol City. That emerged this week when he turned out. He was named on the, the squad sheet for their under-23s on Tuesday. We then had uh, GFC in action um, on Wednesday night. Of course, he hasn't been in the GFC squad for a couple of weeks and it had started to raise a few eyebrows, uh, Gareth. Yeah, I must commend Tony Vance on doing a great job of keeping this a secret <laughs> for quite a long time. Um, Certainly when I've been phoning up Vancey sort of so far this year asking for team news, he's sort of like, oh, well, we're without Ben Acey because he's off island. And that was sort of it. And I was like, oh, that's a long holiday, isn't it? And he never actually gave it, gave it away until, um, yes, some sharp eyes um, spotted Ben's name on that team sheet on Tuesday in the Bristol City under-23s. And um, I phoned up Tony later that afternoon and he said, my phone's been going off the hook because people had noticed <laughs> yeah. he'd been playing for um, Bristol City under-23s. But, but it's great news for for Guernsey football, for North, who were his junior club, and also um, Guernsey FC, who obviously Ben's been playing for this season, having having broken into the side pretty early on in the, in the autumn. Um, but no, he's, um, he's impressed me when I've seen him. I haven't seen an awful lot of him. I, I remember, I think the first time I saw him was at Corbett Field in the Grand Fort Road derby. He came on as a sub, and I thought he looked a good player then. And he's obviously um, he's grown in in sort of stature and and in um, reputation very quickly since then. So um, yeah, Tony obviously he's recommended him. We got good links with Bristol City there. Obviously after Alex Scott has gone and done what he's done, and um, Ben's gone over there and impressed them. So it's great news for for him and and for Guernsey football. Yeah, as you say, a few people will have spotted that under twenty three team sheet on Tuesday. I mean, half of Guernsey's football community probably followed Bristol City on Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you were the first one to spot it in our office, Tony. But um, yeah, according to to Tony Vance, um, yeah, uh, several people were contacting him straight away while this game was going on. I think it was probably broadcast a lot, sort of streamed live by Bristol City somewhere. And um, yeah, uh, I actually phoned up Tony to get, it was actually to get GFC team news on, on Tuesday afternoon. And he said, I bet I know what you're going to ask. And I said, I bet you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so it's, it's obviously, um, it's, it shows just um, what's available out there. I mean, it's, it's, it is difficult to a degree, I suppose, for Guernsey youngsters to get spotted. But um, now that we've got Guernsey FC playing on a national sort of stage and we've got those links with Bristol City, we are able to sort of like um, usher our better youngsters in that direction and just sort of see how they get on. And I mean, obviously, Alex Scott was the first and he, he's shown himself to be uh, um, just an outstanding footballer and he's already a, a first team regular for Bristol City at the age of 18. Um Ben is obviously good enough to get to go and impress at their um, under twenty three level for now, and fingers crossed. Hopefully, it takes him on to a, a successful professional career. You never know. He'd do some, wouldn't he, to emulate uh, Alex Scott's progress since he arrived in Bristol? I mean, it has been sort of meteoric, um, but you know, up to now, Ben's. Um, sort of development I guess locally but then with GFC has sort of followed a very similar trajectory because they've played a very similar amount of games um, for GFC uh, you know about six months in that kind of 
you know, senior football environment playing in the Isthmian League and then uh, and then an opportunity. So it's obviously, you know, it is obviously preparing um, those youngsters very well for, you know, for what they then go and face when they go um, for these trials. And I suppose it, it seems like Bristol City is the natural, uh, the natural sort of destination now. Well, yeah, if you can have those sort of links with a with a sort of professional club, I mean, we've sort of seen it in other sports locally. We've had sort of young cricketers go off and have time with Sussex, um, uh, Rugby-wise, we've had links where well, it's not our players necessarily, but actually um, Jordan Reynolds has gone off and, in, and learnt more of the coaching trade at, um, at professional championship clubs as well. So just having those links is very important. And if you can sort of like utilise them, it, it sort of works both ways. But, you know, Bristol City have obviously got a real gem in Alex Scott on their hands, thanks to sort of the Guernsey football production line. Um and Ben Acey now is hopefully going to sort of follow in those footsteps. Um, I think Alex was outstanding, but you never know just how far these guys can go. Yeah, absolutely. While we're mentioning Alex Scott, um, if you're listening to this on Thursday night, you've got until half past eight, I think, to get your votes in for him or one of the other two Guernsey contenders uh, in the running for CI Sports Personality of the Year. Of course, the uh, the the evening itself, the, the ceremony itself has been pushed back to the middle of February, but the uh, the voting does close uh, tonight, um, Thursday, the 27th of January. Head to our Twitter feed at GSY Press Sport. Um, you'll find the voting numbers there. Uh, yeah, uh, Alex uh, in the mix with Mayor Letizia, who of course won the last time those awards were held. Uh, Cameron Chalmers and Chuggy Pershard, Jersey's cricket captain. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. A bit of a last minute push to get some votes, uh, <laughs> votes on board for the Guernsey uh, contenders there. Um, before we come on to the other sport uh, let's just have a quick word about GFC last night it's very much a game I think most people will want to forget I know, it, um, it, was, it was a strange day yesterday there was sort of great news about Ben AC and then you go and watch the GFC in the evening and it was um, it was a bit of a damp squid really in the end it's, um, it wasn't a great game it was a very it was a very very frustrating night just for almost everyone involved in GFC it was just um the performance, certainly the second half, wasn't great, but just as a spectacle, the game was just totally and utterly forgettable, really. Um, I know um, Tony Rance, he, he's chosen his words pretty carefully with, um, with regards to sort of like the whole the whole game and, and how it panned out, but uh, it's, it's what you get from pretty much all the all the English sides that come over. They they sort of know how to how to play. Um, the referee as well as the game and it was just one of those games where everything they did was just almost a bit frustrating and they were sort of in the ear of the referee all the time there was a lot of um, delaying tactics going on it, it just ended up being a um, just a, a, a real <laughs> um, dull affair I suppose it just not something that caught the imagination and uh, I mean, if it hadn't been for the fact I was working there I'd have probably walked out after an hour because it just wasn't really <laughs> very exciting um, I, I don't want to be one of those guys who, or one of those people who will sort of like compare sports and say one is so much better than the other. But sort of having seen Guernsey Raiders on Saturday and just how the, the rugby fraternity react to sort of the officiating and what have you, 
Um, you know, if if you if you mouth off to the referee in rugby, you, you're giving away territory, and you're not very popular amongst your own teammates very quickly. Unfortunately, in football, it doesn't really work like that, and just the constant surrounding of a referee just really starts winding me up. And yeah, I'll I'll be quite grateful when I don't get to go and watch a GFC game for a while when they're away from home. Yeah, I mean that, that's yeah. That, that, also, from the visiting team last night from Binfield, I thought the. Um, just almost from the from the um, opening whistle, the kind of the complaints and the shouting at the linesman as well. It's like I know, okay, I know there was uh, some some complaints towards their direction in the second half because the, the flag was going up quite often. But you just, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's you don't really want to see it. Um, no, there's still uh, there's still a wonderful perhaps. Perhaps the naivety is the wrong word, but if you go to a prio game, you, you get a bit of sort of. Um, questions of the referee, but because everyone knows each other, it's not. It's it's almost quite well meant. Well meant, and you get to an Isthmian game like that, and just sometimes it can just really just get on your wick after a while because it's just non-stop, and you just you just think, is it really worth it? All that to be honest. I mean, have you come here to play football, or have you just come here to moan basically? And it's just. No, it was it wasn't an enjoyable experience on Wednesday night. I must admit, um, especially considering the the four all draw from Sunday was sort of such a such a highlight when it finished. It was sort of everyone was on a bit behind. The momentum was Guernsey FC. It just everything sort of went out the window on Wednesday. Yeah, as you say, we've probably been a bit spoiled in the last couple of home games. A six two win and then that four all fight back. Um, so anyway, one to to forget and move on from. And um, yeah, GFC aren't back at Footslane for a, a few weeks now, or, or three or four weeks. So. Um, they've got a few away trips to, to get their teeth stuck into and let's hope they can bounce back from that. Um, OK, well, we'll be talking more football on Monday's um, football show. Right, let's move on. Jamie, uh, we had a bit of a shock in the cross-country series, which came to a conclusion at the weekend. Um, obviously, it sort of takes place over a few months, doesn't it? Uh, just talk us through the results there and, and, and explain that turn up for the books. Yeah, okay. So I'd say it was a shock to some extent and not a shock to another extent. So we had the young Thierry Le Chemin Over the festive period, he had won Guernsey's first ever short course cross-country championships, which took place over four kilometres. And we had a lot of top university or UK-based runners coming over to Guernsey for that. Uh, he beat all of them, just obliterated field, basically, got away really early on and pulled up a 20-second lead. So that was over just four kilometres. And it raised a bit of a question mark. Like, could he challenge James Priest, who is kind of our top established cross-country guy, over six miles? So nearly two and a half tonnes of distance. So anyway, it came to the FMB cross-country series finale on Saturday. And it was all very close. Basically, if Thierry wins a race, he becomes a champion. If James wins a race, he becomes a champion. Um, Thierry stuck with him the whole way and showed his pace in the final lap, just pulled up a massive lead, uh, 15 seconds in the end. And not only is Thierry very young, um, he's also very much primarily a triathlete who didn't enjoy his running not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so actually he's just about to turn 17, I should have said. But yes, um, running has not traditionally been his strongest discipline. Over the last two seasons, he has really improved However, uh, he's been very committed to all three of his disciplines and he's now coached by Entire, which combines the expertise of Guernsey's Island Games champion Josh Lewis and Welsh star Yeston Harrods. And yeah, obviously a very clearly promising young triathlete. Yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal progress. As you say, it's it's funny, isn't it, to say about someone so young that it hasn't traditionally been their suit? Because I mean... (laughs) 
he hasn't really had much chance to kind of compete properly in, in these kind of senior events. And he's been someone, you know, from a very young age who's been in and around that triathlon scene and, and, and competing in the events he's been allowed to. Um, and he stepped up last year for the very first time to the kind of full distance and shown uh, and showed he's more than a match for the, uh, the older experienced athletes. Well, yeah, he's in an unusual situation, actually, because... I would have said in the 2020 season, when we're looking at qualifying for 2021 Ireland Games, he was good enough to potentially contest an Ireland Games spot, but he was actually too young. But the Ireland Games postponement has been a blessing in disguise because now he can actually vie with our top two athletes over Olympic distance, potentially got a spot in 2023. And, and presumably the way he's going as well, you wouldn't bet against him being in the um, mix. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how he develops over the summer. As I say, you know, Thierry Le Chemonon's made phenomenal progress um, over the last couple of years. Definitely one to watch, and I'm sure definitely one. Um, the, uh, the sort of veterans of the local triathlon scene will be very much looking over their shoulder about, if, he, if not looking in front of them, to be fair, and, and chasing him. Um, anyway, he came in for a quick chat and to reflect on that win in the cross-country series and I guess just, you know, where he's at in his young triathlon career. Thierry, welcome to the pod. Great to see you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming in. Um, obviously, we want to talk about triathlon. You've been uh, a kind of emerging force on the triathlon scene for the last couple of years. I think a few people, if you're the older athletes, probably looking over their shoulder, waiting for you to arrive. Uh, but let's start with the cross country, because that's something where you have kind of raced up from nowhere to be a, you know, a serious force in local competition. Um, you've just won the cross country series, the winter series. I mean, first of all, yeah, how did it feel to to take the top spot in that? Um, great, really. Um, still quite happy I've done that and being able to run against Priest head to head for that time as well, and just being able to have something in the end to sprint past and was yeah, nice feeling. You know, I've been able to beat him now. <laughs> and I think is it fair to say that running previously wasn't your strong suit in triathlon terms? Um, so, yeah, have you surprised yourself in terms of how much of an impact you've been able to make in those kind of races? Yeah, definitely. When I first started, the running was the worst bit and I hated it when I got off the bike. Wouldn't look forward to it. But now getting into the training and that and seeing a progress, I'm probably the one of the most enjoyable ones out of the three. Yeah, awesome. Did you go into that winter series expecting to be able to compete or is it kind of... T- it- yeah, is it over the course of those races that you've really started to feel a bit more confident on that? Not sure. I was a bit worried about the first one to see how that went. And then when I found out I could do the longer ones as well, I wanted to see how far I could go. And then with the few places I had, I realised I could potentially get a top three and I was just aiming to get on the podium. Then me win it was quite nice. Well, yeah, obviously. Like, I know you've been previously pretty, a pretty strong contender over the shorter distances, been doing like four miles. But then obviously you stepped it up and... Obviously, in the latest round of the series, beat James Priest, who was really established in cross-country over six miles. What have you found different in terms of approach to that kind of distance as compared to what you were doing before? I think just the pacing really is probably the most hardest one. That distance coming from the shorter one, you just like go flat out and then just try and hold on. Whereas this one, you sort of like build it up a bit and then hold a pace that you know you can keep sustainable, which is when we raced on Saturday, just staying with him and his pace was perfect. So it was just comfortable to run around and that, but still getting really good times in that in the each lap. And I guess triathlon, though, is still very much the focus. Uh, do you see those kind of cross-country events as, as kind of part of your training that, that, you know, that, that you've been putting in over the winter? Yeah, definitely. It's built up the power as well from cross-country and hills in the terrain challenge. So when you put that across the triathlon, mainly road running and that, it's 
yeah, definitely see the big improvement. Just strength you've got and the endurance of the distance being the same. You're a familiar face in triathlon circles. I know you've been racing, uh, even though you're very young, you've been racing in those sort of sprint events and, and whatnot for a couple of years. I mean, it, to me, triathlon's a sport you kind of tend to associate with more mature athletes, who perhaps those who've come from swimming or uh, or from, from straight up running. What attracted you uh, kind of into the sport at a young age? Because, yeah, as I say, you've been seemingly quite focused on it for a couple of years already. Yeah, so I did it at a young age from like the little granite, man, uh, granite kids or whatever it was. And that was like really good. And then I took a sideline from that and just focused my swimming and cycling for quite a while. And then I thought I'd give it a go again at 12. And then ever since I've just been racing, I've enjoyed all of it. So yeah, it's just enjoyable, something different than normal playing football or just that sort of sport, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, as I say, for, I suppose a lot of people kind of find their endurance um, ability as they get a bit older, but you're competing already with um, with all those um, kind of established local triathletes over those long distances, even, you know, even in, in your very first one. How do you find the kind of physical challenge of taking on a, on a big triathlon? Um, it's quite a lot of mental preparation, I reckon, getting into it and then getting in the right mindset um, and not having to worry too much and just, like, when you know you're training you know what you can do in training is just pulling it into a race, just having the confidence that it will all go together and that. Um, and when competing with the adults as well, it's just a bit nerve-wracking for the starts and that. But yeah, it's a good good challenge. Well, obviously, not only did you make your debut in the Olympic distance, you actually won on your debut and the following Olympic distance race, getting a head-to-head against James Travers. So obviously, you're contending with some very good established local triathletes. Um, yeah, obviously, it's going to be an Island Games season. I'm sure a lot will have the hunger to qualify. You confident of carrying that on and <laughs> just really excelling over the season, getting your place potentially? Yeah, I'm hoping to qualify. Um, should be it will be a challenge, I reckon, as well with the course and that. But yeah, it'd be nice everyone racing at the same time as well. Um, Hopefully everyone will be all there and fitness levels and that. It should be a good race, I reckon. Yeah, and that's a big prize on offer to be able to compete um, uh, yeah, at the home games. I know obviously not many athletes get the chance to do that. You know, it will be 20 years since since the last one. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how determined are you uh, to, to kind of be a part of it? Oh, yeah, very determined. It's like probably one of my top goals for this year is to make the qualification and then next year just place as high as I can. I think it would be nice competition-wise as well just to put yourself up against all the other high athletes for next year. But then just to be able to qualify this year will be really good. And having yeah, having made so much progress in, in recent times in the sport, is it something that you would like to pursue um, you know, professionally or at least on a full-time basis uh, yeah, as you get a little older? Yeah, I'm hoping when I finish my A-levels then try, and especially for Marlin Games if that goes well, um, and get a pro licence in that and race away competitively also as a career and that then yeah it's interesting to see how it goes though well it sounds like you're going to be for sure one to watch this summer and one i'm sure all of the uh, the other male competitors going for those island game slots will be uh, be watching out for uh, best of luck with the the season and thanks uh, thanks for coming in thank you Thierry Le Cheminant speaking to Jamie and I there. Yeah, great to see the progress he's made in the last um, couple of years. Someone I'm sure we'll be speaking a lot about as well in the coming years. Um, he's got the, the road race series coming up. Are you going to be on his tail in that, Jamie? <laughs> no, nah, not quite. <laughs> he's well and truly come past me now. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he could be making a few more headlines and running before he transitions into the main triathlon season. Oh, we've got a few low-key uh, duathlon type events and... 
novice triathlon early into the spring. The summer will be the mainstream triathlon season, and that's when you've got the Granite Man, the likes of the Island Games qualifiers, etc. Oh, well, good luck taking him on. Um, <laughs> right, let's have a look at what's coming up then. It's going to be a fairly quiet weekend at Foots Lane. Uh, GFC and Raiders both due to be away from home. But uh, let's talk about what is going to be happening. Just a, a few hundred metres away, Gareth, uh, the hockey championship title race is uh, really sort of coming to the boil. <laughs> well, it's blooming hard to predict, Tony. I know that much. Um, yeah, it, basically, the, the, the lead is changing hands every week. Um, because there's five teams in the league, every sort of team has a bye week every now and then. Um, so last week, Yobbo's jumped from third to first in the league. They're now um, on 20 points. Indies are second on 19 and Colombians are third on 18. Um, Colombians have actually got a game in hand on the two above them. Um, but Yobbo's got a weekend off. So I imagine they'll probably end up this weekend at least second, probably third again. So it, it really is very difficult to predict. Um, Champions Indies are playing Elizabeth College uh, on Saturday morning. And then um, Colombians are up against Casuals on Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, it, it, it really is a very, very tight title race. It could go any one of three ways. And pretty much all the main contenders have to play each other at least, I think, at least once each. I think probably a couple of times yet apiece. So the lead is just going to keep changing hands, I'm sure, for the next couple of months, really. And, um, yeah, if I were a betting man, I still wouldn't know which one to put my money on. It really is that tight. Yeah, fantastic. Have we still got an Interinsular coming up? Is that any word on that? Yeah, the Interinsular is due to uh, take place on the 19th of March. Um, that is, as far as I'm aware, that is still very much um, on the schedule. It, that is due to be away in, in Jersey. So... Um, yeah, um, a lot of these guys will be be teammates for that weekend. <laughs> as much as much as their rivals throughout the whole um, domestic season, um, there's a lot of contenders for that for Andy Good's um, Ireland squad. I'm sure for that interinsular. So. Um, yeah, hopefully the um, the title race in the domestic league will actually help us to to retain the the interinsular trophy as well because we should be informed going to Jersey. Let's hope so. Um, over in Jersey this weekend, Jamie, big weekend for our table tennis players. Yeah. So okay. Um, as Inter Island Sport reopens, we've got our top players taking a trip to the CI Top 12 finals in Jersey. Um, the CI Top 12 tournament basically you play the best players from Guernsey select six of them and then they'll go across and play against the best in Jersey but yeah it's a tournament where you face everyone and it's actually for that reason that Phil Osier who I've interviewed for an extensive feature in Saturday's paper um, he's, he considers it sort of a top honour in Channel Island table tennis like he's a triple CI champion but looking beyond that it's the fact that you play everyone and have to really prove yourself that he's really pleased with the fact that he's won five CI top 12 titles in the past. But yep, um, he's 47. Uh, the basis of my interview was the fact that they actually won their Capels Open earlier this month. <laughs> it's obviously just really impressive to see someone of that vintage contending for <laughs> top players still. Good use of the word vintage. <laughs> some of them, yeah, some of them half his age. Only getting better with age by the sounds of it. He's an amazing player, Phil. I mean, I, when I first started working at the press over sort of 20 years ago, he was sort of the, the best player in Guernsey. And so you look at the elite now, and he's still very much part of that sort of like that group of the best players over here. Um, is, is, he can sort of adapt his game to play against anybody. But I, I mean, some of the highlights of his career came sort of Ireland games 15, perhaps even 20 years ago. But he is still 
I mean, if you were to pick a Guernsey Island game team tomorrow, he, might, he would probably be in contention um, just on ability alone. But uh, no, he, he's a really great ambassador for, for Guernsey Table at Tennis, I think. And he, yeah, he just doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Yeah, great <laughs> stuff. Well, keep an eye out for that interview in Saturday's paper. I think he's going to come up against um, a kind of new, very promising foe over in Jersey and Hannah Silcock, who's very young and I think made a bit of history to be involved there. So certainly one to watch from a kind of Channel Islands perspective. Um, a little further afield, uh, a few thousand miles away, it's a pretty big weekend um, for Seb Prio. Uh, very much a kind of milestone moment for him, but a moment that's going to last 24 hours as he makes his debut in the Rolex 24 at Daytona. A really prestigious event. And uh, I mean, we had the, the picture of his the, the car he's going to be driving um, in that race on Quite Saturday. Quite a piece, isn't it, Tony? I mean, it's, it's a hell of a ride. Uh, it's definitely worth looking up. It's one of these, um, they call it like a sort of prototype um, kind of uh, sports car. Yeah, it's got all the kind of, I mean, it looks like an absolute menace. It's, yeah, <laughs> I mean, terrifying probably to drive. Um, it's for, one of those things you'd probably draw as a kid if you sort of describe your dream fast car. It's something like you'd just draw that and it's been properly Americanized with the red, white and blue emblazoned all over it. Yeah, yeah it is very American. It's about <laughs> the most American thing you could expect to see in a kind of sporting yeah. context yeah. apart from it, maybe the national anthem at the Super Bowl it really uh, it really brightened up our back page the other day when I saw that one yeah yeah so that's uh, yeah that's really um, quite an incredible event for, for a young man like Seb to be involved in it gets underway uh, just after half past six our time on Saturday and is uh, streamed online if you want to check in obviously it does last a, a little while I, I wonder how many people will uh, um, yeah will, will get through the full 24 hours well, some would. There, I mean, there, some will, there, yeah. there are petrol heads out there who love to watch those sort of things. And yeah, it must be a real adrenaline thing for Seb to be part of that. It is a, it's a huge event over in America and uh, yeah, it just shows where he's heading in the world. He's um, just taking great strides in his career at such a young age. Yeah, just 21. Really looking forward to seeing how he gets on um, in that event. And, you know, by all accounts, he's got a, a pretty big year ahead uh, with you know, more drives to be announced. If you missed the interview we did with him um, a couple of weeks ago, um, just scroll down in this feed and you'll find um, my chat with, uh, Seb and his dad Andy about um, the, the progress he's making at the moment is, is last year and what's coming up um, in 2022 so well worth a listen uh, that one well, let's leave it there. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Of course, uh, do pick up a paper uh, Monday to Saturday for the very best local sports coverage. We'll be back on Monday with a football show, talking a bit more about Ben Acey's potential move to Bristol City um, and youth development uh, in the island more generally. Um, also, give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport is the place to go. And if you're enjoying these shows, do give us a rating or review or share it with a friend. It all uh, helps to spread the word. Uh, cheers, guys. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Thank you.